Welcome everyone to the Cardano Effect podcast special episode. The purpose of this podcast is to take high-level developer information and projects that are occurring within the Cardano space and break them down into bite-sized, consumable pieces of information for everyday use. I'm your host, Philippe, and let's get this podcast started. Rick and I are the hosts of the Cardano Effect podcast, and we really appreciate all of the viewers and listeners of the Cardano Effect podcast. Please consider hitting that subscribe button if you really want to help us out boost our SEO and share it when the episodes release. If you like what we're doing with our guests or our live stream episodes or or, or whatever we're doing within the Cardano Effect podcast, we want to try to reach the broader crypto community, the broader Cardano community and bring news and events and stories and continue the story of the Cardano blockchain. So we appreciate everyone. We have a nice team on the Cardano Effect podcast. In addition to Rick and myself, we have two people behind the scenes. We have Christian and Kyle. They really help us out to make this podcast as professional as possible. So thank you, Christian and Kyle. We have a lot of questions today, and we want to get right into the mix of things. It is International Women's Day, and our guest will be shortly announced from Rick. So without further ado, none of what we say on this podcast is financial advice. Remember, you are your best financial advisor, and if you don't think you are, you need to find someone who's qualified to do so. So without further ado, Rick, how are you doing today? What's going on? What's happening? Hey, I'm doing great, Philippe. Thanks for asking. I appreciate it. I would like to give a shout out to the Cardano Foundation for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you all very much for your support. I would also like to remind any viewers new to this podcast that it's available on all major streaming platforms. So if you're driving in your car or working out, you can listen to the audio version of the podcast. Now, under our special guests, Tamara Hassan, IOHK Chief of Staff and Cardano Foundation Council member. Now, last time Tamara was on the Cardano Effect, it was on our episode with Ethiopia with many other people on. Now, this episode is dedicated to Tamara. Tamara, welcome. Thank you for coming on the podcast. How are you doing today? And where are you calling in from? (laughs) I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me. I am calling in today from London. Uh, We're here uh, for a PwC workshop with the with a few groups here. We're here with the CF and Emergo. And uh, yeah, really happy to be here. There's a lot of people there. I noticed on crypto Twitter, there's a lot of people going to this event. So it must be yes. a pretty big event. It is a very big event for us, for the, uh, the ecosystem, um, the three entities. Yeah, we've got a lot of good people here from, from each of the three entities. And it's going to be a long three days. But PwC, I was actually just with them and they have an excellent schedule um, for us. So yeah, I, I'm really, really excited about this. That's awesome. And your yeah. schedule's pretty busy because we had to chase you down to get you on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, my schedule is crazy. Uh, anybody that knows me at IOHK, well, and the CF knows that all I do is is work, really. I, I love this project so much. And yeah, I, I stay busy. When you work for a remote company, you know, you have to also, I have a lot of calls with people as well and make sure that everything is sort of moving along. So yeah, my, my calendar is crazy, but, um, but it's good. You got to stay busy. Nice. Well, we had a lot of questions from our Reddit users. So, Philippe, did you want to start with the top of the list? Do you have it there? Yes, yes. So we're going to ask you about your role first at IOHK, and you you recently joined the Cardano Foundation. So can you explain exactly what your role is at IOHK and what your role at the foundation is and what maybe your day-to-day, day day in the life of Mm -hmm. tomorrow? 
Day in the life of me. Well, it's changed. My role at IOHK has changed a little bit since I joined. I've, I've been here for three years now. So um, when I initially joined, I joined as a, oddly, I came out of law school, actually. Um, I've known Charles for, for over five years or six years. And I came out of law school. And he originally, uh, he hired me as culture officer. So I started with a focus on culture at the organization and then sort of moved into operations, um, HR. Uh, I became the HR director to sort of build that not sort of, I built that division um, of the company with my team. And now I am, yeah, I'm chief of staff, which is, I have to say, guys, it's like the coolest role in the world. It's it, it's a role that was was architected, I, I feel like for me. Chief of staff, what the hell is that? I mean, it's different for, for different entities, right? So it, it's a really, uh, you know, for the government, it, you know it from like political things and from the military, of course, chief of staff. I was actually just at a, an event in Washington. I met the, uh, the chief of staff for the Navy SEALs and we actually had a, we had a session about what is a chief of staff. I'm now part of a chief of staff uh, community, um, but it can be anything. It can go from like the lowest level, not lowest level, but like an EA all the way up to an actual strategic advisor for the CEO and the executive team. So um, that that's basically what my role is. It's it's so many different parts. I still oversee um, the people operations of the company, which includes and encompasses the culture of our organization. So I still make sure that you know all of our operations are going. I you know I, I I come into different situations if you know there are people issues which we actually luckily don't have many but I, I come in and, and and help solve things whenever I'm needed and oversee most of our HR programs um, with the help of course of our new HR director um, but a lot of it is just like strategic planning with Charles so I've built up a relationship with him over three years it's one of those relationships that you sort of have to earn and gain you know, there's a joke inside IOHK. I'm, I, I'm the one that yells at Charles the most. I really do. When there's when there's like Chico crypto fights or stuff, I'm the one like Charles. Just just don't engage, man. Just just don't do it. Uh, I, I say <laughs> things to Charles that might might have scarred him for life. I'm not sure, but I'm like the you know the reasoning kind of uh, person behind him. So I work really closely with Charles. Um, we have a lot of meetings each week, and and we strategize. So part of my job is is working with uh, Charles and strategizing about the direction that the company is heading. Another big part of it is project management. He sends me strategic uh, projects and I have to basically manage, manage them cross-functionally across the, across the organization. I also oversee all of our events and everything with, with Carrie and make sure that he's going to the right events um, that he should be going to and not stuff that is just, you know, Charles speaking at events that he's already spoken to or spoken at before, uh, so to speak. I'm a gatekeeper for him. So uh, basically everything sort of kind of comes through me too. Um, I have to just make sure that when you have a CEO, you know, uh, he describes this as Lego blocks. You know, when you have a CEO, you have to bring things to him or her, uh-huh, her, them, uh, fully, fully formed, at least give them a few ideas. So I, I, I kind of just make sure I, I look at presentations before they're presented to Charles because I sort of, after working with them for so long, I sort of know what, what he wants to see. I know what irks him a little bit. I know what irks me as well. It's funny with presentations, people always make the same mistakes with Charles. So um, yeah, I'm sort of like a gatekeeper to the to him as well. And uh, I travel a lot with him too, to conferences. I do business development uh, with him and for him. So I get involved in that. So it's it's a really all encompassing role. It's it, it truly is the coolest job I've ever had. So um, that that's what I do there, and also budgeting and planning for for the company. And then at the CF, so the Cardano Foundation, I joined it because 
I wanted to like, this is, this is our baby, right? We we've created, this is, I, it's a very maternal thing to say again, female archetypes. Right. So immediately I'm like, well, this is our baby. I have to make sure that I'm, I'm like, we're handing our baby over to an organization that is set up for success. And but we have the right people in place that can handle it and that can take that over. Moreover, I wanted to make sure that we had the right governing structure for the Cardano Foundation. I mean, there's a council and then there's an operating body and that operating body can be so many different things. So I just wanted to make sure that we looked at the governing uh, structure, make sure that it's sound, make sure that it's you know um, basically prepared to bring in some heavy hitters from the industry. I have a few people in mind that I wanna bring in on the council that I cannot mention right now. Um, but basically I've come in to sort of prepare the grounds uh, for that, to help prepare the grounds for that. Also to push a strategy. I don't know if you guys saw my other interview with Bakit, but I, I'm pretty sure I said like it nine times. I'm like, I'm a planner, man. I like plans. I like strategies. Um, you can be agile, yeah, in your strategy, but you also need to have a strategy. And that's actually the point of this workshop. So I work with Jerry and Nathan and Domino, and we actually drove this workshop, which basically the PwC workshop, the outcome of it is a consolidated sort of commercial strategy between the three entities. Right. So as you guys know, I mean, each of our entities has a specific business activity uh, in, the, in, in the Cardano Foundation's case. It's it's more of a custodian and a compliance activity and an enabling activity. So um, the three entities need to be on the same page. They need to execute in their own swim lanes. Right. Uh, but they still need to have one, you know, overarching. It's like everything. If you look at a strategy, you always have to have the same mission and values and all of that stuff and sing, sing from the same hymn sheet as the Irish people would say, which I think is super cute. So we all are singing from the same hymn sheet now after this uh, this workshop. Not that we weren't before, but this is just, it's really going to, you know, make things all come together. So, and I, and, I, and I look at hiring for the Cardano Foundation. I'm really actively involved in hiring for the CEO. After working for IOHK for, for so long and, and in my previous roles in other companies, I, I sort of have a niche or a, a knack, I should say, or of who to hire and where and why. And it's a very specific kind of company and environment. So I, I'm actively involved in hiring all the new roles for the Cardano Foundation uh, as well. That's what I do. Wow, that's a lot. It's awesome. <laughs> it's fun. When's, when's your downtime? When do you have downtime? Is this a seven-day work week? I am not going to lie. I work a lot. So on the weekends, I actually read a lot because I also want to get technically up to speed. Not that I don't have a technical background per se. I have a law degree. You know, I was an audio engineer. That doesn't really count. It does a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I like to get up to speed on things over the weekend because I don't have time during the week. Um, I'm also going to be taking a course on, on coding and, uh, and complexity theory and stuff. So no, I don't have a lot of downtime, but that's you know, this is one of the things like everybody, they can get down on you and they'd be like, well, you work too much. It's like, no, that's just how I function. I always have. I come from a family that works a lot and I just love it. I mean, working is, this doesn't feel like working. So no, I don't have downtime, but I get to go to cool places. So that I guess feels a little bit like vacation. And I watch a lot of, you know, Netflix when I have downtime. Okay. <laughs> Netflix binges. Yeah, you know, it does, so, it does sound pathetic. good, though. I mean, you're looking at the people. You're looking at the, the people and what the people are doing. Yeah. You, you know, you don't, you don't need to be looking. Not everyone doesn't need to be looking at the code. You don't need That's all right. coder managers. But you do need managers who understand people and processes. I noticed you mentioned archetypes. I'm a big fan of looking at archetypes and how systematic processes work. So yeah. I'm glad you're looking at those level, that level of information. Yeah. So how did you end up at IOHK? Like, how? 
did Charles find you? Did you come across them? How, tell us a little yeah. bit of a story about that. How'd you end up at IOHK? That's a good question. So I, I mean, I was involved when Ethereum was being born, right? In um, at Decentral, I forget even what year that is. So that's when Charles and I met. I worked on some other project, and that's when I met Charles. Actually, um, he had this thing called the Hoskinson Doctrine, of which I thought was the most amazing thing in the world. It was a, just this document on, well, basically what we're building here too. Um, so, so we met back in the day. Um, and yeah, we just, we just kept in touch. He's actually the reason I'm still in the space. I got, I got to admit guys, like I was one of the first pe females, uh, oddly enough in, in the space. I mean, I, it truly used to be me like this blaze of red hair amongst all these like boys, guys, men, uh, some are boys, <laughs> some are men, uh, in a room. So I actually used to be one of the only women at these, uh, meetups, but so I probably stood out a little bit and Charles and I, yeah, we met back in the day. He, uh, I used to have an accelerator, um, an incubator accelerator called Incubes, um, and he met he met me and he met my my partner through that, and uh, yeah, so he just kept in touch over the years. And actually, he was one of the reasons why I went to law school. I remember asking him. I went to law school later in life, um, so in my thirties. I won't tell you how old I am. Uh, I'm not in my forties, but uh, I went I went to law school a little bit later in life um, because. You know, during my 20s, I didn't feel compelled to go to law school. It's like, well, what's the point? What am I what am I fighting here? What's like I always wanted to change the system, but I didn't have a reason to really like love the law or care about the law. So this space really compelled me to want to go to law school. And I was like, well, because I just wanted to help. Right. I wanted to help make sure that, you know, where that sort of rubber meets the road and that like similar to what Caitlin Long's doing, like I, I wanted to make sure that I could help in some positive way, help our, our industry thrive. So he actually convinced me to go to law school, him and many other people. So um, yeah, that, and then actually in the middle of law school, him and Jeremy called me because I was very interested in uh, decentralized autonomous organizations. And they called me and they said, would you like to, to lead or join or do something? I'm like, no, dudes, I'm in law school. You know, it's kind of kind of hard, kind of busy right now, you know, doing that. But after that, I worked for Don Tapscott. I did uh, some research for him. And then Charles, yeah, him and Jeremy called me and we're like, we want you, we want you to join. And, and honestly, to my parents, you know, dismay, because they wanted me to be a lawyer, um, like an actual lawyer, I chose this. Uh, and I have never regretted it, not for one day. I'm, I'm not a practicing lawyer. And to be honest, there are much better lawyers out there than me, but it's good to actually understand the law. And that's how it was. Yeah. So I joined after after law school. That's amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I wanted to do a follow-up question. Let's talk a little bit about gender diversity. You mentioned yeah. you were one of the first women in the involved with the Ethereum project or there when it was yeah. then it was start when it was starting. So you are Definitely. you're like a, a an OG in the crypto space. You yeah. can consider that. And um, you know, I was looking at the stats for the Cardano effect. So I'm have them right in front of me. Ninety-seven point eight percent viewers of this channel mm -hmm. are male, Crazy. and two point two percent viewers are female. And you know, there's this hypothesis out there that girls cannot be as good as boys in math. I remember when my sister was in second grade, she came up to me and said there was a little boy in class that said, you know, girls can't do math, even though she was outscoring everyone in her class. And right now, she's really high in math and because she's had a solid foundation yeah. and solid support, she hasn't been dissuaded. But a lot of girls at early ages are dissuaded from going into these STEM programs, really going after science and math. And it's, it's, it's a shame because then they're underrepresented when it comes to like a blockchain industry. 
So how can we bridge that gap? Why is it 98.2%? Why is this such a male-dominated industry? And what can we do to bring more girls or your early ages into the space and then they grow up and then they create the next big dap or they create the next big Cardano? Well, that's, that's, that is the question, right? <laughs> that's the biggest question. How do, you, how do you solve this? So it definitely happens. I mean, everything is solved at the individual level first. I always look at things individually, um, then unit level, and then systemically. So individually, I mean, parents really need to uh, also grow up, honestly. I think we need to educate parents a little bit more on um, teaching their children all skill sets, um, including o- opening that sort of concept um, to them. I mean, I know my parents too. They didn't They didn't really push. I was very good at math, but they didn't really push it on me. It was never like, oh, well, that's a great field to go in. Actually, now that I think of it, it, it wasn't really like that. So obviously more women that are successful in, in any of these disciplines speaking about it, you know, talking about it, coming up more to the forefront, seeing that a little bit more, that's really going to help women. The problem is with women is that we don't have a lot of female leaders. I was just at Davos and I saw Marissa Myers walk by and I, I honestly almost started to cry. It was like a little fan, fan woman or fangirl moment. It's like, Marissa Myers, like that is somebody I can look up to. Like I, I do, I look up to Charles, I look up to a lot of these other men, but like when you see someone like Marissa Myers, you're like, Wow, there she is, and she did it. You know, I, you know, whether you think she's successful or not, I mean, come on, she was one of the the, the first five people at Google, wasn't she? And um, so, so just seeing more more women in these sort of leadership roles and seeing how cool it actually can be. And I think there was like three astronauts. Like I'm always posting stuff about women because I think when you see that more and the media covers it more. That's really, really, really going to help a lot of people. We need female role models, guys. Like we, we really do. Even in politics, right? Like think about it. How many, how many political leaders? Well, we do. We actually have more now. But how many political leaders can can females really, really look up to? So, so that's definitely going to help a lot. Um, making it. I don't know about making it more gender friendly. So I was talking to a partner, a product manager today. So think about this, like we actually want to create a product, a, a wallet, and I knew she was actually a speaker. She's a wonderful girl, uh, woman. See, we also need to stop calling <laughs> women girls when we're women. Uh, so uh, a wonderful woman. And she had this beautiful design for a wallet. And it was it basically, it was on, it, it was catered to females. Like it had the beautiful colors and it was called Chic. It is called Chic. And I, I and it's and it had like a little store in it where where women could buy like women things, and I, I just thought like that's really cool like that is actually catered to me and then we we're actually talking about putting an all female team like a female product manager and female developers and everything to actually develop out that product so maybe you know once you know even in science fairs and stuff if if women or some, in that case girls can start working on 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 projects that maybe speak to women a little bit more they'll be able to see what effect it actually can have. They need sort of that hands-on feel, see, hear, touch. So like a little crypto wallet for, and I think NU actually has something for kids too, like teaching kids blockchain, Um, having it in their hands to see, hold and feel and being like, wow, I can create that with math or science, or I can be an engineer. Like that's, uh, or I can create technology that, that, that's, that's amazing. That's what they need to know and hear. We just need more stories like that. And guys, trust me, I know the other side of the equation. I've never thought of myself as a woman. I really haven't. Like, I get it. I'm a woman. And of course, I think of myself. The well, I look at myself every day. I'm like, okay, yeah, you're for sure a woman. But I never like go to any job that I have. And I'm not thinking the whole time like, oh, wow, 
you know, I, I'm a woman. This is this is crazy. Like, uh, you know, we we just don't think about that. But like, then there's that whole feminist, or I people like me don't think about that. But then there's this whole feminist movement that men just seem to hate. They're like, wow, those guys are just they're crazy. They're they 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 feel like they've taken it to an extreme. Um, I think we need to take it somewhere in the middle, right? And just sort of like, yeah, definitely look at helping women a little bit more and focusing a little bit more on, on, on woman issues and, and, and giving us more opportunity. But at the same time, also maybe highlighting the complementary aspects too, right? It's not just one thing. It's not just women. It's women and men working together and supporting each other. And this is where I would have to say like, Men need to help us too. Like we're not damsels in distress, like, oh, poor us. But like the men are in power in many ways right now, right? So they need to also be aware of it and also be like thinking about like, okay, how, you know, this woman is in a meeting with all dudes, all men. How can I help her, you know, maybe get her voice heard a little bit more? How can I help make sure that she has the same access to knowledge as I do? Um, a lot of the times men go into the back corners of the world, wherever they do business. And that's where business is done a lot of times still, guys. You know, On the golf course. Uh, and I play golf. So that's like <laughs> one thing. This is one thing I'm like, I'm going to learn golf. No, that's not why I learned golf. I learned golf because I used to play hockey, actually. And it was a natural transition. But <laughs> but they absolutely do do it, do it on the golf course. So yeah, I was saying to the uh, these wonderful women I met in Davos, most of them lawyers, like, what? What should we do like for extracurriculars? You know, like I- I'm starting a cigar club actually in, uh, in, in Zurich for the females, but like we should have our own little groups too. You know, women need to support other women. And again, I, I gotta say, I ha- I'm so honest, guys. I used to find those things really annoying. It's like, uh, it's like another female fest. And like, you know, I used to be invited to like women in blockchain and I, I was actually voted top 100 women in blockchain. I'm like, who cares that I'm a woman, guys? I just got here. I'm just me, you know, sort of like what the uh, the new prime minister of Finland said, right? She's like, well, I never really thought about my gender. When she said that, I was like, yeah, yeah, totally me too. So that's why I was always, hashtag me too. Huh. Um, that's why I was always, always a little bit, you know, reticent to join these all female things. But now it's like, no, 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 no. We really need to share our stories as other women. We need to have more support around that. Women need to band together. And I think it's BS that women can't work with each other too. There's like discussions about we're catty and we're this and we're that. I mean, people just need to grow up in general. So I think women just need to get past whatever hangups they have. I mean, once you get past telling each other, oh, I love your, I love your coat. I love your shoes. I love your jacket. Cause that's what women do. And we meet each other. We're like, oh, I just love your hair. Uh, But once we get past that, um, we really can do, and we do do amazing stuff together. And uh, I've just, Guys, it's an uptick. I, I see it happening. We're getting there. I know so many great women in this space as well. Even in early days, there were women around. There were a lot of women around. And I never was like, well, this isn't predominantly men. But I, I think we're getting there. But I, I don't know. I don't know if I answered your question. I don't think I solved it in my diatribe there. But there's certainly, I think I touched on a few things that that might help. And then training women like we do directly in Ethiopia. I mean, that's like, come on, like how, how better to do that? You actually, Charles was saying, I think 90% of the, the developers in Ethiopia are men. And we have 300 applicants for, for the women developers. And that's like, it's, it's like having programs like that, that focus on women 
is also incredibly helpful. And then women who code, that's another thing that they're, they're doing in Toronto and other places. So yeah, maybe that would, yeah, that's. Yeah. Well, I, I would like to circle back to where you started with parenting and other people being yeah. involved because I have two daughters okay. and we were getting ready for the podcast. I was talking with Rod Alexander and I was telling him a story and he thought it was kind of interesting, but I did not see the vacuum of women in STEM. I was like, yeah, I didn't know women in STEM was really that big of a deal because of two things. I have, I have two daughters who are both scientists mm. and they grew up around science. I grew up around science. So your point about parenting is a great point, but it wasn't me. It was like, we would just go to the science stuff together. And so now one of my daughters is a biochemical engineer. She's working on a biomedical engineering degree now for her master's. And uh, my other daughter's a medical researcher. And I was telling Rod awesome. about it. And I said, you know, my, uh, and I've got coworkers. So I've got ladies in my life. There's ladies in my life who are scientists. And I have coworkers who are software engineers, managers in leadership positions. Mm. Like, yeah. So our lab manager where I work is not lab manager, but the the agile process manager. The agile process manager mm-hmm. is a, a lady, Michelle, there, and she kind of runs that whole show. And then my chief architect for the stuff that I work on, she's also a lady and uh, probably the most brilliant software engineer I've ever met. And, you know, it's funny. You made that damsel in address, distress thing. I was over here. I was about four miles away from here, and she was working about two miles away. And, and I had to call up, and I said, I said, hey, Luis, this thing broke. It was a brand new version of the software. Yeah. I said, this broke. Can you come over here and take a look at it? Because I'm not a software engineer. I'm on the oceanography side of the house. And, right. and she goes, yeah, I come over. Come over, take a look at it. <laughs> and, and she's fixing it. So she's over there at like 8 o'clock at night, just banging away on the code. And she goes, oh, I know what that is. She goes, okay, check it and make sure it works. And then poof, it worked. I was like, holy yeah. cow. So every night she'd come over there for like, three or four nights in a row, two or three hours a night after she was done with her day job down the street. And she was fixing it right on site, not fixing, fixing, but making the yeah. adjustment. She's and I, it like, bam, bam, bam. I was like, holy cow. That's why she's the chief architect. Exactly. Smartest software engineer I've ever met in my life. Exactly. Well, I, I mean, we, I mean, they always say like women think holistically or, you know, and then men think linearly, but actually we both can do both. And if you dedicate yourself enough to, there's always that argument too, like she might have had to like even work harder to prove herself. And it's, it, that's not even the case. If she's good at what she does, if she learns it and any, anybody and you innately know what you're doing, you know, you just, you're just good at it. I always knew I'd be an amazing audio engineer if I actually stuck with it. I actually, the person that trained me, if I had like a signal pass, sort of like what we experienced before we started, he wouldn't help me at all. He's like, figure it out your damn self. You know, if it takes you all day, figure it out. And you got to, you know, women can't be given also a leg like 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 some some sort of uh, training wheels either i mean he he this person in uh, specifically he he wasn't like handling me with kit gloves because i was a woman he's like well screw you i don't care if you're a woman or a man like figure it out i'm not going to give you help just because what you bat your eyelashes at me and i'm sure i i'm sure i tried i'm sure i was like hey can you fix this for me he's like uh no and and same with her i mean like i mean guys like our product manager aparna right she is obviously clearly a woman and so incredibly competent and capable. And, you know, her delivery is good. She's a great leader. She's also an engineer. I mean, I just find it funny that we're even talking about this, to be honest, because it's just like, it's just so strange. It's like, of course, that woman that you just described came over and helped you out. You know, I, I used to be the only female in my audio engineering class too. 
And I got to say, it was probably one of the best. Ing- I'm not trying to be arrogant. Somebody on my, the other podcast was like, wow, she's really full of herself. And I was like, well, no, I just had to work incredibly hard to get good at my craft. But there is one other thing, though. There's the woman thing with the children thing. And this is a thing. We want to have children, too. We're still the we're still have those maternal instincts. And this is where my real political side. I'm very intrigued by it. I have I have a lot of girlfriends from, you know, girlfriends with children that are also career women. And that's the thing. The infrastructure also has to be in place, guys to help us be able to actually still go and have a career. I mean, childcare, and I, I sound like a politician right now, but childcare is an issue. If we don't have proper childcare, if that's not available to us, I mean, my poor girlfriend, she she's a teacher. She couldn't even get childcare for her kids because of the lack of childcare in, uh, in, in where we're from, uh, my hometown. And so that, they, that needs help. We need help there. We need that sort of support. And again, I'm not saying anything new, but we need that sort of support that says, okay, you can still have a career and we're going to help you with that. or We're going to make sure that infrastructure is there for you. I'm not talking about government handouts or anything, but I'm kind of in the middle. I'm a centrist in many ways. I'm not saying we subsidize everything, but we certainly need to make sure that women have the infrastructure to actually have the focus and be able to carry on the career. Yeah. And you know, from experience, you have kids, right? No, no, I don't have kids. And I would not know how to have, like, I would, I'd have no, I I know how, but I would have (laughs) no time to have children right now. That's the thing. That's why I work seven days a week, pretty much. Right. So, so think, think about that though. If I actually brought children into this world, which I cannot wait to do, I mean, I really would have to roll back my hours. Right. So it's just a thing. It's a fact of life guys. Like what, what, what am I going to say? Like, it's, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, mother's guilt too. It's not like I can't, I can't keep working these hours. That's why I'm taking advantage of working these hours while I can. And then when I do have children, I, it would have to be a little bit less. I also want to homeschool my children. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of the, the system, to be honest. I think it's, it's not so great, but I, I haven't found anything that I would love to send my children to, but again, I don't have children, so I haven't researched it too deeply. Um, so that's another thing if you want to homeschool your children as well. Yeah, that adds to the workload yeah. of kids. Just the bit. wonder of kids. The, <laughs> the wonder of children. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned earlier Marissa Mayers and you look up to her. And, sure. um, you know, it's really hard to see a self reflection of yourself. But for all the listeners and the viewers of the Cardano Effect podcast, mm-hmm. Tamara is integral in building the Cardano project. And in the sense that I always compare it to, I watch basketball, and if you know about basketball, there's a position on every basketball team called the GM, and the GM chooses all the draft picks for a basketball team. And I am a Miami Heat fan, and one of the most famous GMs is Pat Riley. He's infamous. He brought LeBron over from Cleveland back in the day. He organized the big three, so he built a super team. And it's analogous to what you're doing with Cardano. Although we have Charles doing his AMAs, he sold a lot of people with that whiteboard video back in the day. Yeah, He's a master orator and he knows how to speak to people. He's very intelligent. But at the same time, someone else built that super team and that person was you. So how did you go from barely any employees to over 200? And what was the thought process? How'd you build your super team? Can you take us through that? Sure. Yeah, it was obviously a long and arduous process. 
Yeah. So I was there when there was 20 people. So I really had to find a good team under me. It's it's obviously not just me. You have to first make sure that you know what role you're hiring for and how it fits in the rest of the organization. I think that's the part that we maybe struggled with a little bit at the beginning. Now it's like, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's like crystal clear. Okay, we need to hire these people, these people, and then this, you know, so I think we did it a bit backwards in some ways. So I was sort of working with what we thought that we needed at the time and sort of piecing that together. So so that's one thing. Uh, now it's it's just so much easier. That's why I can help the CF because you just need to know, the other person needs to know as well what is expected of them and how they fit into the rest of the organization. So yeah, the, the first thing you need is great recruiters. Guys, I'm not a recruiter. I don't go on to LinkedIn or, you know, and, and scouting out people. I mean, I just... I can't operate at that level. I'm a higher level thinker. I can't do that that stuff like that, that rolling up my sleeves and finding people. So you need to rely on the most important people in your organization. I truly mean it, aside from all of our developers, of course, and all of us, actually, we're all equally important. But my, my recruiters, man, these guys are incredible. They are very, very, very good. So you need a good recruiter that's hungry, that's aligned to your... That You need to inform your recruiters. They're not just recruiters, right? You need to inform them of your entire commercial strategy and and what you're trying to, you have to bring them into the process. And I profile candidates. Uh, I'm, I'm very crazy. I'm very pedantic uh, woman. I profile the candidates very, very clearly and closely before we go to market. So, so at the beginning, it was a bit, you know, shaky still, but you know, that includes like salary ranges. You don't want to get into a situation where you're hiring somebody at the end of it. And they're like, oh, well, I, I just want 400,000. You're like, oh my God, I just put you through three interviews and you're not getting 400,000 per annum. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, so, so, so making sure that you have very clear parameters for your recruiters and your, um, your interview teams is, is really key. So yeah, I would say a lot of the legwork beforehand, planning guys, planning, you got to plan this. You got to know exactly what you're wanting. You got to keep going, you know, hammering on those job specs and making sure that the hiring manager knows what they're doing and hiring for. And then it's just a matter of interviews. It's a matter of finding the right candidates. You get bar setting candidates. So there's a tendency to just say like, Oh my God, that person's amazing. And it's like, especially when you're in a rush, right? When you're in a rush to hire somebody, there's a tendency to be like, yes, let's just go with him. But you have to learn to pull, you know, pull back a little bit, you know, pump the brakes and be like, okay, this, this candidate was really good, but let's see what else is out there. So unfortunately, time's not always on our side, but yeah, you, you have to just be careful when it comes to, to planning and you just need to know people. We have a whole suite of questions that we ask people through the entire interview process to make sure we're profiling a bunch of different things for us guys. It's not just about skills. Do you have the skills? It really isn't just about this. I value so much. Is this person a cultural fit? Does this person actually... So then you don't have to train them about your culture. They just are your culture already. They embody all those things that you just naturally are, right? Like we know what Cardano is. I know you two do. Um, like when I met both of you, it's like, well, yeah, obviously. Like you guys are, you guys are, you know, not that I hired you, but you know what I'm saying? Like I'm just... Fanboys. You're <laughs> Fanboys, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but skilled as well, right? You got both of the things going on. Your fanboys, but you're just also call very it what skilled. it is. <laughs> <laughs> fanboys. Um, yeah, fanboys. Well, I yeah, I, but but yeah. that's that that's part of it. You need to be passionate because it's hard work, right, guys? Like at the end of the, you guys know above anybody else, you know we're on the front lines of a lot of things. So these people need to be 
resilient as hell, right? We can't have like super special snowflakes that are just, I'm sorry, just like woman or man, they're just going to cry, you know, if like, if something just completely, you know, it gets hard. Um, but my job is also on the culture side is to make sure that we create an environment where they have support mechanisms, communication mechanisms to know that, that, that this is how we operate, that this is okay, that that we're not a siloed political culture. And if you have an issue, please come to us. So 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 that's a big thing is making sure we have the right people. You know, our culture is is things like we want innovative people. We want people that are just themselves, not 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 something else. Um, you know, uh, people that are also very collaborative. And when you work in a in a remote environment, you gotta know how to communicate. You have to know this. You have to push communications, right? You can't just sit there and wait for somebody to communicate to you through Slack or something. You need to have pretty good communication skills and just be a good person. I have hired people that are just, they turn toxic. It's so strange. It's not strange. I guess it's the human anomaly. Uh, you know, the Hobbesian humans are nasty, brutish and short, but yeah, human nature comes out. It does. It rears its head, especially when you put a person in power. That's the biggest yeah, you put someone in power and you see how they act and you're like, ah, okay, I see the real you, you know? So yeah, you know, sometimes you don't get it right with hiring. Um, most of the time we actually do, our attrition rate is incredibly low and where we've gone wrong is just by not supporting that person. Maybe when we lose good people, which is very rare, it's because we just didn't have the right processes or systems in place quite yet and that we are getting there. It's always like, well, we know what to do, but we haven't quite gotten there because we're doing this. So I'm pretty proud. I do exit interviews with anybody that leaves and they're always very positive about it too. And sometimes it has nothing to do with us. And then also, you know, guys, I have a global canvas <laughs> to, to hire from. It's like pretty cool, right? So I can, I can choose someone from, from anywhere and I get to do that from all different cultures. And that just spices it up and it makes it so much more interesting. So yeah, but you have to be careful about, you know, strategically when you're hiring people in time zones as well. Okay. They're going to work on this team or they're part of core development. So do they need to be in this time zone? And, and, you know, DevOps obviously is very strategic. You need a around the clock sort of DevOps support. So there's so many considerations that go into it, but then yeah, it works. Then you need good onboarding. You need to support the people. You have awesome onboarding program. We're getting a hell of a lot better at that. We hired this wonderful uh, woman named Mel, and she's just so lovely. Like, you are about the happiest, brightest, shiniest person. I stopped being so happy and bright and shiny because I'm just operations sometimes. And I'm like, we need a nice person like you that's just like, yes, I shall welcome you into our beautiful organization. And she's just so full of joy and, and, and just, it's great. So yeah, you got to make sure that you you support them during their journey and help with their career and actually care about that, care about helping them with their performance, not just being like, well, you're a bad performer, you're fired. No, you got to be like, these are our expectations. If you're not meeting them, this is why. And you have to look at yourself, guys, like leaders in this company, we're, we're trying to grow our leadership team. You have to make sure you have well-trained leaders. Leaders, leadership is an interesting one. I still haven't quite cracked the code on that. Some people are just naturally good leaders. Other people need a little bit of work. Uh, so I, I'm putting in a leadership development program. That's why we went to Washington as well, was to meet General McChrystal, who wrote Team of Teams. And that's about team dynamics and structure as well, um, what the military uses for that. But it all comes down to good leadership. So we're really focused on that right now. And you can't be like bringing bureaucratic processes into engineers because like, you know, screw off, woman, with your bureaucratic processes. I'm developing. Leave me alone. So we have to be very careful about what programs we roll out. But uh, yeah, leadership is also a big one when it comes to uh, 
recruitment's one thing, but how do you keep people, right? That's the true testament. Are people leaving or are they staying? Are they enjoying? And doing constant feedback. We're really good at feedback now. And I actually appointed a new person as culture officer, um, Tom Flynn. He's also uh, our lead BA. Actually, no, sorry. He was our lead of the, of the BAs. And then he, he's now lead of our PSG group. And that guy's just like, seriously, one of the best hires ever. I have so many people that I say like, best hire ever. He's, he's one of my best. He's one of my best, one of our best. He's just incredible. So he makes sure that he's really attuned to what's going on in the, in the company. That was a long-winded answer. So, yeah. No, that's a great answer. I'm glad you touched on leadership. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, there was, I used to teach at the Naval Leadership Development School over at Little Creek, Virginia. And um, we would talk about what makes for a good leader. And everything that you said is exactly the kind of things that we would go over, although you know, we'd go through case studies, through history and stuff like that. And that's the cool. best leaders are the ones that people can that people look up to. It's not the screamers and yellers. Some people think, oh, the screamer and the yeller is the no, they're not. It's the opposite. It's the opposite, it's the opposite of those guys. Yeah. It's opposite. It's exactly the ones who have a calm, cool head. They stay cool under fire. Yeah. Things just don't ruffle their feathers and they stay professional under all circumstances. And those are who people look up to. When the employees have someone like that to look up to. Yes, sir. The employees are inspired and motivated to make sure that person is taken care of. And that's what makes for good leadership. And it sounds like you nailed it. You're on it. Damn straight. You're on it. Damn straight. <laughs> and then admitting, admitting when you're wrong too, as a leader, what a powerful thing to do, eh? Is admit that you're wrong in front of your team. I've done that before to my team. I was like, well, yeah, I got this one wrong, guys or gals. But it's opening up the discussion too. It's enabling your people. I mean, Let's be honest, we're all professionals here. We're not, this isn't kindergarten. This isn't school anymore. You have to treat your fellow, um, you know, you're just there to, I, that's why I like the holacracy model because they do have a, forget the word they use for that person, that leader, but that leader is basically like sort of an enabler of, you know, uh, same with the chairman actually of the foundation. That person is just enabling things to happen. You, you know, you remove roadblocks when there's roadblocks, but you're not there, like you said, you lose respect immediately when you start screaming, yelling, getting too emotionally volatile. Again, guys, this is why I think emotional EQ stuff is what needs to be taught at a very young age to everybody. EQ should be on our curriculum. It should be everything. Emotional intelligence should be the highest order. And that's what's something I really want to make sure that I teach or help teach people here too, at any way that we can, is that sort of how to deal with conflict as well. People are so afraid of conflict. But it's a natural part of life, right? We don't always agree. And that's okay. Like my team doesn't agree with me on certain things. So like, Tan, that's that's stupid. Or like you you should see some things I write too. I, I'm notorious for writing like really long things. And Becky's like, Tam, like we need, you know, no one's gonna read all of this. Actually, Charles does it too. We have a very similar tendency to just keep well, he's better at being more concise. Concision is his thing, but you know, it's a, you don't get upset about it. You're just like, okay, fair point, you know. And I find most of our people are, you know, they're, they're good at disagreeing as well. Which is, which is amazing. <laughs> it sounds like you're doing everything right. You should have no problem finding plenty of people. You got to yeah. figure out who it is you want, right? Yes. We got to find the best. I hope people are knocking down your door. They should be. They are. And they are. Yeah. Well, definitely. We've definitely seen a, a surge in that. And uh, when I say the best, I mean the best fit for us and for them. That's another mm -hmm. thing too. I could say to somebody, you know, I just talked to somebody for about a role. And I'm like, honestly, I, I just want to save you 
this isn't going to be a fit because I know I'm not going to tell you what role it is because it'll give everything away. But it's like, I know the arc of this role and you're going to hate it uh, in the, in the future. It needs a different, you you got to be honest with the candidate uh, as well. And I think that's, that's, that's always very nice. Yeah. To do, to be honest with the candidate. Yeah. It's imperative. Indeed. It's an absolute must. Yep. And so Philippe, we have a lot of questions from our Redditors. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah. Let's it. start getting to them. All right. I'll cool. give the shout out to the Redditors and you can lead us off. All right. Yeah. This has to be rapid fire because we're going to try it. to get through as many as possible. And we want to take care of our Redditors because we got the best Redditors. Yes. We do. We really do. That's awesome. All right. So these questions, we had to uh, blend them together and they okay. came from General Zod, Nick SJ, Pratatonic, Kukahara. And Letta 0070, okay? <laughs> so lots of questions, and then they're in a good flow. So, Philippe, what do we got from our Redditors? Okay, so the first Reddit question is, what is it like being the first female member of the council? It's awesome. Again, I never thought about it, so it wasn't like, oh, I'm a female and I'm on the council now. Uh, but in you know, in retrospect or now looking at it, it's, it's great. Um, Nathan and Domino, I don't know if they're going to like me saying this, but they're like proper feminists. Uh, they're, they're really like respectful to women and, and stuff. And, and men meet too. I mean, I, 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 I feel great. I feel like I can represent women. I also want to, I do want to hire a female CEO if, if I can. That would be really great. Actually, Domino said that too. Like, Tam, let's, let's try to find a, a, a female CEO. So I feel good. And I'm glad I get to represent, uh, you know, so, so, I, a slice of, you know, the female sort of instinct on the council. See if Caitlin Long will do it. <laughs> oh, I would love for Miss Long to uh, join the council. I want to make, I want to prepare the foundation uh, for Miss Long to, to join. She is, she's amazing. She's so incredible. I really look up to her. Talk about, talk about a mentor or somebody I would look up to. I, I, I very much look up to her. She, she's incredible. All right. So the next one is, uh, what are you doing on the Cardano Foundation side of things? So you spoke about your IOHK roles. What, what are you doing in the Cardano Foundation? What keeps you busy there? Well, I kind of answered that. But yeah, everything I was saying, like we're looking at the strategy, the planning, the PwC workshop is something I help drive, uh, which is happening right now, wherein we'll have a consolidated strategy. I participate in the SIP committee. I'm helping uh, Frederick and the team. I spoke to Sebastian about it today as well, um, who's also on that committee. Um, really pushing the SIP process along, actually, Voltaire. Um, that's something that I'm, I'm super focused on. Also marketing. I'm, I'm very focused on marketing and helping to build our marketing efforts and team branding as well. We're working with McCann's as you know, so I'm involved in that process. I'm not a brand expert, but I certainly know uh, a little bit about what we should be doing here and hiring, hiring the people. That's awesome. On that note, can I make mention of something at this point? You mentioned Voltaire, which is the end game. No, Cardano is going to go on forever. Like the, the building is going to be a continuous process, but people need to be aware that Cardano is five parallel efforts, at least that I'm aware of all going on at the same time. Byron is wrapping up. Shelly is like 90%, oh, it's a hundred percent in some areas, but 90% done. Yep. You guys are working on Voltaire. That's post Gogwin, post Basho. Right. So parallel. people need to be alert to that. Some people only think linear. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm calling it like it is. Some people are very linear. They're so, they, it's like Shelly is not done yet. Therefore, Voltaire hasn't been touched. That's not true. You guys are working on Voltaire. It's it's absolutely not true. Um, 
I mean, I guess maybe we need to just, and you and us and our marketing team needs to communicate that a little bit more. Yeah, we're working on Gogan, of course, too, right, in parallel. And we're very much working on Voltaire as well. And there'll be an announcement about that very soon. So yeah, we're definitely working on Voltaire as well. Basho as well. Yeah, most people are aware that the viewers of the Cardano effect, and it's on it's on the front page of the website. So People are aware of it, but it sometimes it just doesn't seem to come across that way. Well, they just think it does really happen linearly, don't they? And and we have we have parallel teams that can run different um, parts of the eras together. So yeah, wow, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's good. It's fun. Next question: This Reddit user says, "What are the main projects the foundation is focusing on now?" I believe you already answered that question. You want to skip off into the next question. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, are the processes within the Cardano Foundation at a good place, or do you feel like there's still a lot of heavy lifting needed? No, the processes are at an incredibly good place. Um, yeah, we're we're almost there, actually. Like I said, the governing structure is going to have one last look at it. I mean, it's we have a structure in place now, uh, but we're just refining that structure, and uh, that's not hard to do. All the processes are there. I mean, the operations team, guys, like keep in mind, there's the council and then there's the operations team. And like I said, we're hiring a CEO as well. Um, under Henrik, Henrik is, um, they call him the secretary, something secretary. I, I mean, I just, I don't use that term. I, I think of him as an operations, like a director of operations or a COO for the, the CF. Yeah, those guys are, they're su- such a good team. They're so good. And they're such good people too. They're so awesome. I, I love this team. I love these people. They're just really good people. They're very diligent. They've got their process in place. They have the advantage sometimes, too, of working together in an office in um, Zurich. Not all of them, not all of the CF, but um, they work together, too, which really does help help a lot. So, no, we're in, a, we're in an excellent place with the CF, better than ever. I think so, too. Every person that Philippe and I have spoke to at the Cardano Foundation has yeah. been a pleasant experience, and awesome. they are on point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Is that fair enough, Philippe? Yes. Men meet Nico. Yes. And Nathan, yes, yes, definitely. And Henrik and all the other folks, support personnel we talked with, it was all great. Great. Yep. And if there was something wrong, you know, we'd say something, but it was great. I know (laughs) you would. And I and I hope and I hope you do. Exactly. You you should say something. But yeah, I can I can attest to that. Everybody is is doing their job and doing it doing it well. Yeah. Okay. So we had another can I get the next one, Philippe? Go for it. Uh, there's a couple we gotta go past due to short on time. One Reddit user asks, I know in the coming months we will have a lot of new stuff coming. At which point it, will it start to have a need for ADA? Now it is a coin for holders and speculators only, or do we have to wait for usage in Africa? So uh, I think what they're looking for is your assessment of the usability of ADA coming up in the future. Oh, okay. So uh, rather than just a speculative thing, I think that's what they said. Yeah, like not number go up, number go down, but more like... Right. Uh, that's going to be uh, dependent on all the applications that we build on top of it. So you guys know that Emergo is focused on building our ecosystem, and we're also going to have an Oracle solution and so forth. So it already is a utility token in many ways. I actually don't know how we're using the token uh, in the smart contract model. You know, Ethereum has has uh, gas and, and they use... I'm not actually sure how our, our structure works, but actual use cases and applications, they're going to use the ADA token for that. We have a project in Ethiopia that I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to talk about, but the token is used in that sense. So there's going to be a lot more utility function coming up and coming down down the road. So 
yeah. And there, there's there's a couple things I just can't say uh, right now. There's another thing that is just going to blow your guys' mind if we can announce it pretty soon. But I'll, I'll wait for Charles to, to sign and announce that as well. So, yep, stuff stuff is coming. Yep. That's a good question. We'll come back to that question uh, once Gogwin starts rolling out, because then right. I think it'll be a more answerable question at that point. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's fair enough. Yep. The next Reddit question is, when, when will the foundation share more details about the agreements and letter of intent signed with different entities in Davos? Okay. Yeah. So we signed, um, I think, four or five LOIs. Um, one was with ScanTrust. All of that. Uh, so Davos wasn't very long ago. What is that? February. So all of that stuff is in flight. Um, we're running proper due diligence through technical and product. Our product managers are looking at some of these um, opportunities. So specifically, we did announce our Harvard uh, grant, correct? Um, so that person is coming online soon. That's under Nathan is actually at the Berkman Klein Centers. That person is going to be a researcher and contribute to this SIP process. So that is coming up. Uh, Finca, uh, we're actually talking to Carlos. Uh, Charles and I actually might fly out and meet Carlos on his ranch uh, to discuss in more detail. We just we haven't had time to actually uh, fly out. And then due to the virus, we were supposed to actually go at the end of this month. So we'll, we'll see about that. But everything is in flight. We're having conversations. Gen 2, that was another one of them. Yep, foundational stuff is happening on that one. Scan trust integrations are happening. I can't remember. Dust Identity was another one. I'm not quite sure where we are with that project. I don't have an update on that. And Exergy, I talked to those guys last week. They have a really interesting project to do with energy, you know, tokenizing energy. And it is just so cool. So actually they're in a discussion with our product managers. We're in, you know, all, all of our, you know, executive team and our senior management team is here at PwC this week, but actually we will be talking around Exergy as well this week. Um, so next week after the workshops are over, you'll see a lot more of that stuff too picking up. Okay. That's good. Cause it'll be good to have some follow-up videos. And that was interesting. I didn't know about the energy part, but, um, Mm-hmm. During Davos, very cool. Bakit, Henrik, and uh, and Nathan had all put out. There was five videos uh, during Davos that came out from the Cardano Foundation, the Davos Diaries. They're pretty good videos. They're teasers. Those are teaser videos. Mm-hmm. So those require a follow up. That's I think that's where that question comes from. They want to see the follow up to those teaser videos. Damn straight. Yeah, I mean, whether we continue to pursue or not, the community needs to know and maybe even know, needs to know why. So absolutely. Yeah, you, you'll yeah. see that coming up soon. There, there's definitely a lot of activity in the background. So I'll make sure I let them know, too, that we should be giving some updates on all of that. But that's actually a, as much of an update as I can give right now, which is uh, so, so I'll make sure that they also do so um, in the coming month. Thank you, Tamara. The next question, well, we're going to take one more question because we're running low on time. So sorry to all the other Reddit users that we haven't been able to get to your questions. We are time limited. So we we, we tried to get to as many as we could. But the last question is, when will there be a custody solution for Cardano? Examples being BitGo, Coinbase custody. Uh, Soon. Soon. Yeah. I think, okay, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, mean, nothing is anything until uh, it's, it's soon. Very, very soon. We're not going to make an announcement for an announcement. <laughs> no, yeah. no more announcements of announcements. <laughs> New rule. <laughs> <laughs> Please, for the love of God. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So thank you to all our Redditors. We have a final question. It's a fun question that we asked our guests. What's your craziest experience or craziest story that you can share for, in your experience in blockchain? What's like the craziest thing that's happened to you or you've seen? 
I mean, it's all pretty crazy, to be honest. I wake up every day. <laughs> I, I, I hate to just say that, but it's, I mean, every day I wake up like, is this real? I mean, really, even since the very beginning, it has always felt a bit like a bit like a dream. I think Mongolia might have been the craziest. I mean, just being with that team, just driving out into the desert and just, uh, you know, that was a crazy time. We drove six hours out into the desert as a team building exercise. We all slept in yurts and this isn't going to sound so wild or crazy, but it was just, I feel like we almost died on those roads that day. The drivers were nuts. And, you know, at, at the end of it, we we're all just in this, the middle of the, in the middle of the desert and just all there sleeping in yurts as a team. And, um, we got, we got a special, you know, treatment with these people and they came and they danced and uh, it, it was just really, really cool. Um, it was a really special time, I think, for all of us. We rode camels. I saw a man. A Mong Mongolians are amazing, by the way. Those people are like actual, real modern day warriors. They just like wild horses. They just ride wild horses. This, this horse was just going and this guy just chased the horse, jumped on and just rode that thing. Like just experiencing things like that, that you would never actually experience. I mean, we all had, we, we dressed up like Mongolian warriors. I had a hawk on my, my arm at one point whilst sitting on a horse. I mean, I mean, where, where else and when else do you do this? Like that's not normal for most company trips, but, um, you know, when I showed my mom those photos, she's like, I, I, I just, I sincerely don't know what you do for a living. And I, I don't, I don't know if I want to know, honey. Uh, but, uh, that, that was pretty wild. That was a pretty cool experience, but but all of it is, guys, like, I again, I just want to double down and say every single day, I, I, it's just crazy to see that so many more people are involved in this space, too. When I started, it, it wasn't like this, obviously. We weren't sure it was going to get to this level. And now we even have things like custody solutions that really just shows the maturity of the industry. So the entire thing has been a wild ride. Thanks for sharing. Thank you for sharing. We appreciate you. We appreciate okay. you coming on the Cardano Effect podcast. We had Tamara Hassan. And we want to make sure that you are welcome on this podcast whenever you'd like. Please come back. Please come back. You're a trailblazer in this space. And if people are, are that are familiar with the Cardano project don't know who you are, just know that she's, she's pushing buttons and she's pushing the big buttons. So she's making things happen. So without further ado, would you like to say any last words for the Cardano Effect viewers or listeners? Uh, sure. Yeah. Just thank you for thank you for tuning in. Thank you for caring. And I look forward to your comments, too. I can jump on and, and answer any more questions that you might have in the future. So thanks for your support. All right. Until the next episode of the Cardano Effect. Bye, everyone. See you.